Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Welcome, everybody. I should actually... Okay, I'm going to bring something to make it higher. Um, welcome, everybody. We are here tonight for yet another... There we go. Um, Living Chassidus Life Skills Series. And we are so, so lucky um, to have today... An incredible speaker. I want to also mention that tonight's um, event is Schos for Rafur Shalema for um, a friend of childhood. I used to actually babysit him, and now he's a big boy and he should have Rafur Shalema. His name is Yaakov Yosef Ben Hadaya Marta. Um, he should have Rafur Shalema, and the entire family should be blessed with only good and revealed good. Amen. And I want to thank every single one of you who is here in person and thank every single one of you who is here on Zoom. And um, we're very, very lucky to be here together. So tonight's topic is something I've been wanting to bring to Living Chassidus for a very long time because I feel that we cover a lot of amazing topics. And the whole point of our life skill series is that we should give you guys the life skills that way you don't get to life and say, I wish somebody would have told me. So here we are telling you. And so much of my life is spent using naturopathic home remedies. I, I, I have an interesting upbringing. One of my parents is a doctor, medical doctor, and one of my parents is a more natural minded, um, she was a psychologist, but she always had like natural stuff. So I always got both and I wanted to go into medicine. So I spent a lot of time building my medical uh, knowledge, pre-med and all that stuff. So once I found that there are so many things in our own homes, in our own lives that can bring us solutions, that can bring us relief, that we don't have to constantly be going. And as, as we wrote in the introduction that, you know, you don't have to necessarily run to the pharmacy to find something that was made. It's already in your house or in your backyard or in your whatever. Um, so the moment I met Ivy, I said, okay, this is something we need to bring to Living Chassidus. She has incredible tons of topics and we hope to bring her up again soon, but this is the one that we're covering tonight. So I'm going to um, now introduce her incredible background. So Dr. Ivy how do you say your last name? Brandon. Brandon <laughs> um, is a naturopathic doctor and founder of Simplicity Health Associates, Associates, located in New York City. Dr. Ivy received her degree in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr. A lot of hard words. Yes. <laughs> Bastyr University. She received her bachelor's degree in biochemical engineering with a minor in French from Rutgers University. That one I got. Um, she specializes in mood disorders, women's health and hormonal imbalances, acne and gastrointestinal conditions. So you can find her on her website and sim simplicityhealthassociates.com or on Instagram at Dr. Ivy Brannon, or on Facebook at Dr. Ivy ND, right? Yes. Beautiful. Perfect. Yay. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something to lift it higher, but I pass the baton on to you. Okay. Um, I guess the big question is how much can you see the presentation? I'm going to... Okay. Let me work on that. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to click here. Sorry, where's my mouse? There we go. Okay, so you should be perfect. I said scared. Okay, so thank you everyone for coming and thank you so much, Michal, for having me uh, speak. 
And I'm really excited about this topic. And one of the things is this presentation, we're really just scratching the surface. There's so many not. Technical difficulties. Yeah, that's better. Okay, now I'm gonna move this over here. Yeah, over here. And this. Is it you? Yeah. Yeah. Something. We're getting there. We're getting there. Live and learn, guys. Live and learn. Maybe we'll switch. Oh, you know what? That's the computer. Black box. Shadow block box. So as I was saying that this is like really just scratching the surface, there's so many really great natural remedies I could have chosen tonight, but I wanted to choose a selection, both from ones that I use most commonly in my practice, but I also wanted to make sure that I included um, many that you could easily um, access just from basic things that you have in your home. Okay. There we go. So I always start these presentations just talking a little bit about naturopathic medicine, mostly because most people have never heard of it. I actually didn't even know what it was until I, I think it was like about two years before I started uh, studying. So it's it's not very commonly known. So naturopathic medicine is a patient specific system of medicine which utilizes natural therapies to stimulate the body's own healing potential. And I think the biggest part about naturopathic medicine is our six guiding principles. And just to highlight a few, kind of like thinking about like tonight's presentation. So, because this is a presentation and I'm trying to teach you, uh, doctor as teacher, I definitely think is one of the really important, um, one of the principles. And then, really focusing a lot on this healing power of nature. And so one of the things is that our bodies have intelligence. Even when we're in pain, it's basically our body is telling us that there's something wrong that needs to be addressed. And so really thinking about this idea around the healing power of nature. So the first set of remedies and so each of the slides, um, I have like a different, one of my favorite plants associated with the topic. And so this picture right here is mullen, and it's probably one of our best. I'm, I'm not going to be talking so much about herbs tonight, though, though I will be talking about some herbs. Um, mullen is just a great all-purpose cold and flu herb because all the parts of the plant have different um, mechanisms when it comes to uh, immune support and also helping with cough. Although I'm not going to talk so much about that herb, but I just wanted just to point out the different herbs as we go along. So our first home remedy is onion earmuffs. So what are we talking about here? So onion earmuffs are very, very um, 
therapeutic when it comes to ear infections. So definitely if we're thinking about if we have children, um, even adults. And so how onion works as um, a treatment for ear infection is one, onion is very high in a phytonutrient called quercetin, which we might be familiar with. And quercetin is very anti-inflammatory. Another reason why onion earmuffs are good for ear infections is that they are able to draw fluid. So think about one of the reasons why ear infections cause so much pain is due to the buildup of fluid, which causes a lot of pressure. And then lastly, because onion, which is also in the same family as uh, garlic, uh, is very high in sulfur compounds. These sulfur compounds are very antibacterial. So how does onion earmuffs work? So it's a pretty simple procedure. All you do is you cut the oven in half. the oven for about a half a minute to a minute. Often you want to cover it. Oh, thank you. Sure. Um, you want to cover it in some cloth, either cotton or wool, and you place it on the ear. It should be warm. It shouldn't be hot because obviously if you're specifically if you're working with uh, an infant, you don't want to burn the infant. So it should just be warm. And you want to basically um, put it on the affected ear for about 10 minutes. You might have to reapply three to four times a day, but it can be very, very effective both and even has um, the ability to even help sometimes prevent ear infection. So that's a great one because actually, believe it or not, um, the, the studies really show that antibiotics are not that effective when it comes to ear infections. In fact, actually, they can actually promote um, recurrence of ear infections. And then there's been awful studies um, when it comes to uh, another thing that they'll sometimes do when it comes to recurrent ear infection is um, there's a tubal procedure that also has been shown to be not that effective. So onion earmuffs, great, great tool to know. Okay, so another cold and flu remedy is a mustard pack. And this again, should be something that we can all find in our homes. And so mustard um, is a very warming herb. It also has a lot of antimicrobial, antibacterial properties. But the big thing that a mustard pack is indicated for is dry cough, specifically when we're thinking about coughs where there's a lot of mucus stagnation. And that's basically what the mustard pack is doing. It's helping to loosen up mucus. Um, so if you have somebody who's like really having a hard time like with breathing, so this could be a really effective method. So how does it work? So you take um, about one to two tablespoons of dried mustard powder, where you can get it like most stories, you might even have it in your house. You mix it with a cup of regular white all-purpose flour, then add a little bit of warm water, um, maybe like a few tablespoons at a time just to make a thick paste. Then to make the pack, so you take this paste, and you either wanna put it on um, cotton or wool, basically an all-natural fiber. So you kind of create this, this um, pack. You put the cloth side on, so on your patient, your, your child, you, uh, your friend, you put the cloth side um, on, on the chest with the mustard side up, then apply another piece of like a saran wrap or a plastic wrap, and then a heating element. Now for um, adults, the recommendation is no more than 20 minutes. 
And then for uh, children would be no more than 10 minutes, but this can be really specifically somebody's having a lot of hard time like breathing, like a rattling cough. This can really help to expel some of the mucus. So warming sock treatment. Uh, this is like one of the first remedies I learned in naturopathic school. It's also called wet sock treatment. But one of my professors said that we should call it warming sock treatment because it sounds a lot nicer than a wet sock <laughs> treatment. So it's technically the same thing. Uh, so this procedure is, again, we're thinking about. Uh, <laughs> so this can be really good for a head cold, um, congestion, any kind of like flu that's just like lingering. And the way that it works is basically it, it helps to actually mount a fever in a safe way. So we actually sometimes do want uh, a fever to mount to basically expel out whatever, um, you know, the virus, the bacteria that we're, that we're working with. And so the procedure, uh, so you're going to have to get, um, hi. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things that you're going to need, you're going to need a pair of cotton socks, a pair of wool socks, uh, ideally a wool blanket. And so how the procedure works is so either yourself or the patient, your friend, your loved one, whoever is having the, the illness. Um, first, um, you would have them either take a hot bath or a hot shower while you prepare everything else. So what are you preparing? So you're gonna take a pair of ideally cotton socks. So you really don't want synthetic, um, any kind of synthetic material. Um, so you take those cotton socks, you get them wet, then you wring them out, like getting all the excess. You stick them actually in the freezer until they're stiff. I actually have a video on this. And it's like really funny because it's really stiff. <laughs> stiff. Um, so after, after your friend, your patient, they've taken their hot shower, their hot bath, you take the socks from the freezer, you put them on them. Uh, then you put a pair of wool socks and then ideally you wanna do this either before they, like when they would go to bed anyway. Um, and then you have them go into the bed, ideally with um, you know very warm blanket, ideally wool. Um, the effect not only does it help to really dispel uh, the cold, specifically a head cold, it also has a secondary uh, sedating, sedating effect. And so, if we also think about when you're sick, uh, sleep is sleep and rest is sleep, rest, and flow. It's really your best medicine. And so that's going to also really help the patient relax. I mean, yes, the initial shock of the cold sucks. I was going to say, I'm like, how do you get past that? But it, it's kind of a very remarkable treatment. Uh, children will respond very, very well. Actually, most of the remedies I'm talking about today, um, mostly um, children just tend to respond well. Wow. <laughs> so this is another good one to have, like, in your toolkit. And again, like all these things are typically stuff that we can find uh, lying around the house. Okay, so moving on to women's health. So my area of specialty is women's health. So I had to at least have a couple women's health remedies. And as I was saying before, so this herb right here is Vitex, which is, or also called Chase Treeberry. Again, I'm not getting so much into the herbs, but um, this is a really one of my favorite uh, all-purpose women's herb for a variety of different health concerns. Okay, so the first remedy is castor oil pack. 
And so castor oil, some of us might know um, of it as something that maybe actually no, no, no one here from this generation, not my generation either. Um, castor oil was used internally as a laxative and sometimes people still use that. Um, it's also, um, if there's anybody here who's either thinking about becoming a midwife or a doula, uh, so castor oil can also um, be used at, to promote labor. Um, when a woman is going past term. I'm not talking about those usages today. I'm talking about it as um, a topical that is really, really, this is probably one of my favorite female remedies. What do I use it for? So I see a lot of fibroids in my practice. So it's very good for fibroids, very good for painful, heavy periods, endometriosis. And then it actually even has like other um, more like gastrointestinal applications. So um, con sorry. Just for anyone who doesn't know, can you explain fibroids? Oh, sure. Uh, so fibroids are basically growths that happen in the uterus. They can happen either in the, the wall of the uterus, outside the uterus. And the main issues that they cause are um, typically heavy, painful periods. Um, they can also cause, um, depending on the size, there's different theories on, on why they occur. Um, mostly we know them as either due to hormonal imbalances where um, you're going to have more estrogen or um, periods of very high inflammation. And there's also different theories of, of where this inflammation is coming from. And then also um, issues around detoxification. Uh, and so these first, it also if they can get so large, they can also cause um, bladder issues like frequent urination or incontinence. And in some cases, depending on where the fibroid is, it can cause fertility challenges. It doesn't cause infertility, I like to say, it causes fertility challenges. And so sometimes the fibroids have to be removed um, before a woman would be able to, to conceive. So these are growths um, that can, and, and then the other thing that a lot of my female patients, they, their dresses don't fit so great around their waist and, and by shrinking them can really help a lot. So castor oil packs are a really good. Um, they drink it, it? Yeah, I, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna go a little background then I'll talk about how, how we do um, castor oil packs. And then they also, again, can be used also for um, constipation or abdominal distress. Uh, and so the way that it, and they work because one, they really do decrease inflammation. They also really help to aid in detoxification. And so the method, so um, basically you take either typically a, a flannel piece of cloth and you saturate it with the castor oil, you wring it out. I usually, so one thing to note about castor oil, it is super sticky, very, very sticky. And I learned this the hard way. So because it's a really it's very, very um, anti-inflammatory. And when I was in naturopathic school, I had um, had some kind of injury or something. And I was like, oh, I'll use castor oil. I'll put it on my leg, don't go to bed. It was so bad because it's like so sticky. It was like sticking to my sheets. It was a nightmare. So it is a, it is a pretty messy procedure. Um, I have trained my patients to make it less and less messy. So I'll talk about sort of like the basics and then I'll tell you maybe my shortcut. So you saturate the cloth, you wring it out. And then you want to let, so I actually think the best is taking, um, if you get like a trash bag um, and putting, like cutting it and putting it 
uh, on so basically you're going to put it from your like breastbone like under your um like your bra strap or your breast bone up into your pubic bone and so i put, usually will have the patient put the the trash bag or you can also do like a saran wrap or any kind of um bag, like a plastic and you put the um the the flannel on top and then you want to put another layer of some kind of plastic and then you put some sort of heating element whether it's a heating pad or you know a hot water bottle and ideally you want to do it for about 30 to 45 minutes um, with most patients i'm recommending to do it about uh four to five times a week depending on what we're using it for uh, and again because it is super uh sticky <laughs> and you make sure like you don't um you might want to also like lay on a towel but again you should be wringing out really good and that's one of one mistake that sometimes patients make is like not wringing it out enough because you can actually reuse the the pack that you make you can probably reuse it about um four three to four times and and the reason i like doing the garbage bag method is basically all it actually makes it pretty neat so then when you're done you can actually just like fold it in half like once and then twice, and then you put it in a Ziploc bag. So what, you rub the skin or the oil on the- On the-, the, the creole, and then put it on the Exactly. Oh, and also, I, I'm, um, if people are interested, I can also email them. I'll email you all the different steps with all every single thing that I'm yeah, recommending. Because yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. I don't have to write down all the steps. <laughs> you can if you want. Just some questions. Just to make, so first, you know, so that, the castor oil doesn't actually touch your body. Exactly. And it has a healing effect even through the plastic? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it's that's, that's like that powerful. Yeah, castor oil is like great medicine. So you can't put it directly in your body? You could, yeah, you can. It just, just it's so it's, messy. Yeah, it's, it's the messiest thing ever, my goodness. It's like, it's like this, after like that experience, <laughs> Uh, so like when I was in naturopathic school, I was all about like experimenting on myself all the time. <laughs> I did some crazy things. That was one of them. Okay, so seed cycling. So seed cycling is probably one of my favorite things and probably something that I recommend the most. Um, so seed cycling works with um, four different types of seeds, flax, pumpkin, sesame, and sunflower seed. And the idea is that they mimic um, are two major hormones of um, the, the menstrual cycle, one being estrogen and the other being progesterone. I have on the other side, so this is like how all like the interplay of hormones and, and how that relates to your cycle and ovulation. But really just the thing that you really need to know is that the first half of your cycle, which is also called the follicular phase, is dominated by estrogen and then the second half of your cycle which is also called the luteal phase is dominated by progesterone and so the basic idea is that by taking estrogen promoting seeds um, typically along with fish oil at the beginning half of your cycle and those are um, flax seed and pumpkin seed and then taking progesterone rich uh, seeds which are the pumpkin seed and the sesame seed, and I usually will balance that out with evening primrose oil at the second half of the cycle. What that does is, well, one, I, I use this um, seed cycling for a couple of different applications. I do use it for women that um, are not getting their cycle. 
And I have found that it works really, really well. And typically, usually, I will usually do a couple other things because there can be other issues at play, but it can really help with a woman who is not getting her cycle. Uh, it also can help with women whose cycle is all over the place. Again, there can be, there's usually other things that I'm doing too, but this is, again, is something that I really help with. Also with um, women that might have been on hormonal birth control, I find that this is a really good for them who are wanting to get off. And then the other thing that, um, so because I do work a lot with fertility, it really does help to support very healthy ovulation, which is really important because if we don't have healthy ovulation, we aren't going to, to conceive. So it's, it's a really, really helpful. Um, it also helps with, um, again, because you're really balancing the hormones. It's actually one of my, one of the things I find is no matter whether it's like an imbalance between estrogen or progesterone, it seems to always work. And so I will usually just, this will usually be my first go-to specifically if I haven't um, gotten the chance to run any, um, any labs on, on the patient, uh, when it comes to herbs to support estrogen and progesterone, I usually tend to only um, recommend those when we've actually seen what the blood work looks like. Uh, but this tends to always just really help to um, even out the cycle. It's also very helpful when it comes to like um, how I was talking before, but you know, conditions like uh, endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, but it's like one of my favorite things to do. It also, <laughs> a funny application of seed cycling is for women that want to change the date of their cycle. Um, I've had women, uh, whether it's like they're going on their honeymoon or they're going on vacation and they just or don't, married. or they're getting married. There's like all the reasons like, where- I'm sure you haven't dealt with that. <laughs> right, right. So there's a lot of reasons why women might not want to get their period or they want to delay it. And so seed cycling can work though. If you are going to use seed cycling to move your cycle, you really have to work at least three to four months in advance for it to work. It's not something that's going to shift your cycle, over, but I have seen it work. And it, it's, it's pretty remarkable um, because then, you know, from the conventional medical model, they would typically use birth control pills to move it, but this is a way that's a lot more natural um, and non-harmful. Okay, then alternating sits baths. So uh, alternating sits bath is really, really good for whenever uh, anything um, involving the pelvis. So again, if we're thinking about things like fibroids, also postpartum care, it uh, doesn't even have to be just for um, women's health concerns, uh, uh, hemorrhoids, any kind of um, bladder irritation, infection, basically anything where there's congestion happening in the pelvis. And what the, what the and when we mean alternating, what we mean is alternating between hot and cold. And, and we actually use this application, not just in sits bath, but we use this um, alternating hot and cold in so many other types of um, treatments within naturopathic medicine. And the reason doing hot and cold is it really helps to promote circulation. So whether you're doing alternating sits bath or um, a contrast shower, the typical um, pattern is always um, start on hot and end on cold. And we'll usually have the patient do um, anywhere from like three to four cycles. Typically you would do um, hot longer than cold because cold can be very shocking. And there's like different, like, um, I guess like theories, whether or not it has to be so like, like very, very hot to like freezing ice cold or just, or just um, nice and warm to like room temp. So there's like, there's different theories. 
about which which would be better. Um, and then when it comes to sitz baths, um, you can you can buy what's called a sitz bath in like a drugstore, but you can easily just use a basin. Another thing that you can also do with this sitz bath is adding different herbs, whether you're adding um, essential oils. Um, I personally really like um, calendula is a really good healing herb, um, which you can usually, which is not too, too hard to find. Um, chamomile could be really therapeutic. Uh, and so this, again, this can be really helpful whenever you're dealing with any kind of like condition that in, involves like pelvic stagnation. I've heard it's being said that you're kind of sitting in a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like another alternate, like there's so many other workarounds too. Like you can also take towels and like dampen towels if, if for some reason you don't have, so there's there's different ways that you could do this, it's bath, but usually we recommend just doing the basin. Okay, so wound healing. And so this herb is a really good healing herb. This is actually uh, comfrey, which is also called symphytum. Very amazing healing herb. Definitely wanna look that up. Okay, so veggie poultices. And, and actually you don't even just have to use vegetables uh, for poultices, but I decided just to like, just focus on veggies because most of us have hopefully some carrots and onions and potatoes lying around. So poultices are like one of our oldest forms of medicine. And basically what a poultice is, and because if we think about like before we had like such great extraction methods, so poultices is basically finely chopping up some sort of plant to make a paste and applying it to the body. What, um, why these can be really helpful for wound healing is again, it's back to this whole idea around drawing. So drawing fluids, specifically when we think about things like abscesses or cysts. And um, I know, I don't know if anyone here is, but like, I know that like, um, you know, I've been to some of the living Hasidic things and it seems like there's a lot of women who are e either interested in becoming doulas or midwives. And so I also tried to pick ones that I thought would be kind of very applicable. So vegetable poultices, specifically either um, carob, um, carrot or potato can be really helpful with mastitis. So mastitis is when, um, when a woman is breastfeeding and she develops um, painful breasts. And so this can be really good application of a poultice. And I see a head shaking. So I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Help tons of people with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so typically um, when it comes to poultices, so um, you're usually, uh, very often it is recommended to, to cook the vegetable. Um, you do want to apply, it's again, another application where you want to apply some heat, not too much heat, but definitely have um, some heat. So whether it's you're applying it um, already warm uh, and then, you know, typically about like 10 to 15 minutes, you might have to do multiple applications uh, during the day. Another type of poultice outside like the veg. Can oh, sure. Pro tip on that? Yeah. Of course. Does the skin stain your clothes? Ah, so. <laughs> that's smart. It's very, very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Do warm poultice and then ice pack and then warm poultice and ice Oh, that's pack. brilliant. That's that's works. really smart. Yeah. Yeah. So something else. I mean, they're also good for bug bites, uh, sunburn, 
poultices are really, really good. Another type of poultice. So basically poultice is just making a paste typically out of plant, right? So it's, yeah, and you can use like, you can put it in a food processor or just chop it up, grate it. Um, you could even take, um, again, you can even take like a, like a cheesecloth or a piece of cloth and just kind of like make one of those, almost like those, like when you go to a fancy restaurant and they have like that little, like the thing with the lemon. <laughs> Uh, another type of poultice, which uh, I really like, has anyone heard of bentonite clay? Oh, what color is that one? It's like a gray. Uh, so sometimes people drink bentonite clay as a, a detoxificant, um, but- uh, With the vegetables, do you cook them or the raw? Typically, you usually cook them. Yeah, you can also use it raw. You can also use it raw too. Yeah, raw or cooked. Um, but bentonite clay, is really good, very, very drawing. I think you can probably get it on Amazon. One of my favorite remedies specifically for big, uh, bud, bud bites is taking um, equal parts bentonite clay and golden seal. And you can even just get like, um, like the golden seal like capsules and open them up and you make a paste and apply that to the, the bug bite. Um, it really helps to neutralize this thing. Very, very, very good to know. What's golden seal? So golden seal um, has a lot of different properties. It comes from a plant called, called golden seal uh, and its main active constituent is uh, called berberine, which I think is really pop. It's like one of the, it's like one of the up and coming very popular supplements right now, but it's very strong antimicrobial. I mean, yeah, golden seal is a really good herb to have. Um, some people are not so um, into it right now because it's been over harvested. Mm -hmm. So an alternative would be uh, Oregon grape. They're both in the same family, but you should you you and should what, be able to find them pretty what, easily. What form? Like powder? Yeah, the powder. Oh, to make the paste? Yes. Yeah, just I the powder. So yeah, yeah. So like yeah. So yeah, just equal parts um both powder so if you did like a teaspoon of the bentonite do a teaspoon of the golden seal mix it with a, just like enough water just to make a paste this is another stainer you'd say it. a lot of naturopathic remedies um stain your clothes so that's like it's bright yellow so just something to keep in mind it definitely definitely stains <laughs> right 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 Okay, so general wellness. So another one of my favorite herbs. This is milk thistle, which is really supportive for. Yeah, isn't it beautiful? beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. We've heard about it before. Yeah, it's a pretty common. You know, it's like a pretty well-known herb. It has a lot of. I mean, the biggest thing is um, for liver support. We would actually we took a lot of milk thistle, specifically my first year in naturopathic school, because believe it or not, we did have cadaver lab. And so we were basically had to spend like two to three hours a week in formaldehyde. So you can imagine how awful that is. Um, <laughs> so milk thistle is really good one to have. So for general wellness, I really like dry brushing. This is also called just skin brushing or lymphatic brushing. And so one of the interesting things is actually the largest organ in the body is our skin. And it's also our largest organ of detoxification. So it's not just all about the liver and the colon and the kidneys, but uh, our skin is a really big organ of detoxification. 
And so what dry brushing does, it does a couple of things. One, it helps to remove dead skin cells, which is gonna just help our pores naturally breathe. It also helps to stimulate the lymphatic system. And basically we can kind of just think of the lymphatic system as like the garbage collector <laughs> of our body. And so it helps to um, stimulate the lymphatic system, which is also important when it comes to um, the, the movement of fluid, also the, um, our stimulating our immune system. Um, also it helps with circulation uh, and also things like helping with tone. And so how dry brushing works is it works with um, specific regions of the body. And basically what we're doing is we're focusing on the different regions or our different regions of lymph nodes. And it does have, it's not like a haphazard thing if you do it, it is something that actually has an order. So most of the regions of the body, when you're doing it, um, you do seven strokes. There are some um, areas that are a little bit different and you always start with the left. And so the first region that we work with is the axillary region, also known as armpit, because we have a lot of uh, lymph nodes here. And so one of the other things is that you're always going towards the lymph node, because basically the idea is that you're really trying to drain into the lymph node. Um, and so there's a specific order. So typically, yeah, you go from first is the axillary region where you're moving um, from kind of like where the sternum towards the armpit. And then you end up going, then you go like around and over and then you go back. And so each of those would be um, seven strokes. Then you go from your elbow to the armpit, also seven strokes, then wrist to elbow, seven strokes. Then you do palm of hand, then you do dorsum. Then you go from the, <laughs> the base of the skull to the sternum, seven strokes. Then here, seven strokes. Then you um, do your abdomen. And so with the abdomen, we start at the belly button, also the umbilicus, and we basically are moving kind of like in this concentric pattern outward. Then you go to the groin area first doing circular, circular motion, then from the knee to the, to the groin this way, then it's very similar, ankle to the knee, and then you do the sole of your foot in the circular pattern. Then you do the, the dorsum or the top of the foot from the toes to the ankle and then around the ankle. And then lastly, you finish on the back. And I know that's a lot of um, repetition. It should, after you've mastered it, like after you've done it a few times, it really shouldn't take more than um, two to five minutes of practice. But it, you know, after, like no, it does not. <laughs> It does sound like a lot because um, you're doing like quick strokes. And so again, you always start on the, the left, you finish on the right. Typically it's usually about seven strokes. And I also like, again, in the handout, I have all the, the different regions of the body. Uh, if you want to do the practice, I definitely recommend doing it like um, anywhere from like four to five times a week, or if you're able to do it daily. I like dry brushing particularly because one of my favorite detoxification methods is actually sauna but how many of us always have access to a sauna 
it could be really amazing if we all could do a sauna <laughs> anywhere. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So exactly right yeah yeah so this is a really great one because again like um pretty low tech also if you're somebody who does not want to get really hot and does not like heat so this is a really great um detoxification tool to have so just just to clarify you do the full side left side and then you do the full side right side right uh with the middle parts in the in the middle which is basically the abdomen and then the lower back so you, so, and then you finish off with the abdomen and middle back, or you? So you do like the whole left, the left sides, and you do the abdomen back, and then you repeat on the uh -huh. the right side. Yeah. yeah. So you use a brush all the time. Yeah, yeah, and and sell specific brushes. Oh yeah, you can find them anywhere. I probably should have bought one with them tonight. Um, <laughs> they look like that. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they just look like that. Um, How would you search for it? Oh, you can like every single, they probably have it, uh, but probably, dry brush? I think they probably even have it like any of the pharmacies on Kingston, oh, yeah? maybe it's yeah. not that, or you can always buy it know. on Amazon, uh, you can buy everything on Amazon yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, and definitely I'd say too, like when you're newer to the, the it's going to feel really scratchy. So you want to be careful with the pressure. Um, not that it would really cause harm. It just doesn't get to feel really good. And then usually we recommend taking a shower after to like remove any of like the dead skin cells mm, do you brush with oil or put oil on after or before and or that... um, i mean i i've never done that i've never recommended that um yeah i don't really see what the benefit would be i mean you could i'd say if anything you know do the brushing take the shower and then if you wanted to apply any kind of right or oil i'm just even wondering because even like because if you think about it, like you're scratching, you are causing a little bit of irritation. So I'd also say that if you were going to apply any kind of oil or lotion, make sure that you have used it before and you don't have like um, any kind of like allergy to it. Yeah, which actually reminds me that there, I'd say like the only, well, obvious, <laughs> obvious counterindication is if you have like a, like a, a cut or something, you don't want to be do, doing dry brushing, but there is a type of dermatitis that actually, which is um like a rash or like a eczema that does get brought on by scratching. So if, if you find yourself, if you do this and you're getting rashes, then this might not be a good, a good method for you. Is there anything for like acne and scars and scabs? Oh, okay. So that's <laughs> She's like, yes, there is. I wasn't prepared to speak about it. <laughs> there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of different things um, that, you know, one can do. So I would say definitely when it comes... Okay. Maybe repeat the question. Okay. So the question was, are there things that can be done for acne scars? Okay. So I would... Acne and or scars. Acne or So <laughs> Acne, I would say, is very, very treatable from a naturopathic standpoint, and it's a very individual. I'll just say, just just to kind of um, give you an idea. So it's a very individualized approach. So um, there's different causes of acne. I mean, the most common cause of acne is hormonal imbalances. So you really need to treat the hormonal imbalances. Other things that also can be a factor are different um, food sensitivities, uh, gut health, stress. And then sometimes it can just be as simple as um, hygiene tweaks. And so typically, I usually would say with a patient, um, it's all about like determining where are the causes and then thinking about it probably take about like anywhere from three to six months to um, achieve 
clear skin once those things are um, in order. Then when it comes to acne scars, so typically with patients, um, I don't even really start addressing acne scars until we have the patient stop breaking out. There are a couple of natural remedies, but I'll have to be honest as far as, because a lot of time, I guess it's just what I'm used to in my practice. A lot of my patients want to get rid of the acne scars faster. And so usually I will recommend things like um, microneedling or doing some chemical peels. Those seem, seem to be very effective, but I would My never recommend. Huh? So microneedling, it's almost exactly how it sounds. It's like these little needles that do help with the regeneration of collagen and they can actually correct acne scarring, but that you would not want to do that if you are still breaking up. It's something very like, um, and also um, with either one, because I, I tend to like, I have like a lot of like brides or brides to be in my practice. And so these kinds of things you always want to kind of consider um, specifically with the chemical peels, because um, you, you are going to have a lot of residual redness for a while. And then also with the, um, the chemical peels, you have to be careful when it comes to sun exposure. So we're always, I'm always kind of like counseling my patients through that. But, you know, from, if you wanted to do something more natural, there are some really good herbs to use, but it just would probably take a bit longer. Um, probably one of my favorite scar, well, actually one of them I already show, which is um, comfrey, also known as symphytum, um, calendula, and then also uh, go-to cola are all are really good. So I would do it topically, but again, I- Hmm? Not everybody topically. Yeah, topically. Yeah, yeah. But again, it usually, again, it depends on um, what kind of results and, and the timeline of the patient. Does vitamin E oil or is that Vitamin E oil can help, but um, yeah, scarring is always, depending also the kind of scar versus like, cause you have like the um, pigmentation scarring versus like the, the indentation. So I'd say really honestly with the indentation, you really do need to do something like microneedling or a chemical peel versus if it's um, a pigmentation issue, that does tend to respond pretty well to things, just as you said, uh, vitamin E oil. I've also, I mean, vitamin E oil is, is an amazing, amazing thing. And I have seen it work other, other um, if on another wound healing, I had a patient a few years ago, she was cooking kale and oil splashed in her face. Oh. Yes, exactly. And vitamin E oil. It's sticky, does that make sense? It's like a little sticky, yeah. And if you mix some of it, is it okay to mix with lavender? Like mix with what? Lavender. What depends, where are you using it for? It can be fine, yeah. Again, with everything, I'd say, um, so overall, most herbs are safe, Every, but everyone does, might have an allergy. So I'd say nothing is universally safe for everyone. And, but um, so for most, for most patients are okay with lavender. And I'm actually gonna talk a little bit about lavender because it's my favorite herb. I have <laughs> I a brother to... that's sensitive to lavender. Yeah. Because like, lavender breaks up, like everyone else in my family uses it all the time forever. Right. Uh -huh. now, so like, yeah, I've been amazed sometimes that like the things that I have to change for certain patients, I always look at that outlier patient that's allergic to like something is like 
like basic as chamomile. And then, oh, it's like such a nightmare though, because like specifically something like chamomile, because when it comes to digestive formulas, like almost every single digestive formula has chamomile in it. And so I've really had to do like some like really like coming up with new ideas. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk about four herbs. And I picked four herbs that I thought, again, like were pretty easy to get and that I thought also had like a lot of good healing properties. Chamomile, there we go. <laughs> so chamomile is a really great herb. Um, and so a couple of things about chamomile. Uh, one, it's really good for digestion. It's both what we call a carminative. So carminatives are, are herbs that really ease digestion. But it also is a bitter, which dip, and I'll talk about how I utilize chamomile to like access that bitter quality. So bitters are really important for digestion because they stimulate digestion. So whenever there's like um, any kind of like um, acid reflux or um, indigestion, um, what we call it dyspepsia, um, bitter herbs are, are really good. Um, chamomile is also very um, anti-inflammatory, um, also has anti bacterial products and the um, properties. And I'm just going to actually talk about chamomile as like the basic chamomile you find. Probably we all have chamomile in our cupboard, whether somebody gave it to us or whatever. So plain Jane regular chamomile tea bags, lots of really great usages. Now, of course, like there's definitely better brands than others. Um, my favorite, um, my typical favorite, like when I'm using um, herbs for like a medicinal property would be traditional medicinals because they're very clean. They don't put any weird additives. They're just very, very basic. Uh, they're all organic. And I just really like that, um, that company. So uh, when I'm using chamomile, again, like you are feeling like nauseous or you're having a lot of indigestion, I will have patients do what I call like a very strong chamomile because one of the things I want to really access is more uh, the bitter properties that you're not going to get if you're just steeping it in a normal way. And so what I'll have patients do is take two bags instead of one, and I'll have them steep it for about 20 minutes and take that um, before each meal. And I find like that can be really good. Um, it also, um, you know, one of the things I do use a lot in my practice are tinctures, but which are um, an uh, alcohol preparation of herbs, but not everybody can take alcohol for various reasons. And I, so I think that I've found like that doing the strong chamomile tea specifically early on with the patient can be a really good first step um, before doing some higher level interventions. But the tea bags themselves have other, so we talked about poultices that you can basically use um, a chamomile tea bag as a really great poultice in some other applications. So they can be really good for, for styes. So if everyone had, although actually the best um, tea bag sty remedy is actually Lipton's Plain Jane Black Tea. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like, cause I, um, I have a, I belong to a couple of different naturopathic um, Facebook groups. And it's like, so funny. Everyone like hands down says that like, just like regular Lipton Black Tea best for styes so and styes mm -hmm. i could see that because it means very anti-inflammatory and also has uh anti-microbial properties yeah um you could also definitely use it this could be another mastitis remedy easily you can apply it to bug bites you can apply it to um to summer obviously you don't want it to be like 
boiling hot. Um, you can even use it for um, hemorrhoids. There's a lot of interesting applications. So again, like if you have nothing, you're like in the wilderness and you just have a box of chamomile tea. There's a, there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, also, um, chamomile, again, because it is both um, carminative, bitter, and has antimicrobial properties, it's a really good um, when it comes to food poisoning. And so um, I, I should maybe I'll put that in there as well. Um, I have a really good um, electrolyte replacement recipe, specifically if somebody does have uh, food poisoning, and you can add different herbs to it. And I think chamomile, so we usually, we might recommend like fennel or peppermint, um, but chamomile too would be a really good one as well to add. So it's just like a really good all around herb and so easy to get. Okay, so lavender. So lavender is one of my like super favorite herbs. Uh, and probably the best way to use lavender is the essential oil, though you can actually, well, I'll talk about that in like a little bit when I get to like what you can use lavender for. Uh, so lavender has so many properties. Um, it's anti-spasmodic, it's full spectrum antimicrobial. I know we think about it more for like sleep and anxiety and rest. It's very strong, um, antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral, antiparasitic. So actually most of our essential oils have that property. Um, also very good for um, digestion. So it has all these different uh, properties. So again, if we think about for relaxation, probably one of the best ways is um, inhalation, whether we, um, we put it in our bath, we can put it a few drops on our pillow. We can, um, if we, uh, I don't know if they, is it, there was a really nice um, line of essential oil products and they were like, I don't know if anyone knows about like those Vic, those Vicks pens, you know what I'm talking about? The little, the, you know, the inhaler thing. Well, they had them with essential oils and they did have one like lavender and peppermint because actually, um, you know, we think a lot about peppermint when it comes to headaches, but lavender too can be very, very good when it comes to headaches and migraines. Though there are some people that do have intolerances to lavender, so it can also bring on migraines for some people, but if you are, if you do tolerate lavender, it could be really good for helping with, with headaches. Uh, and Wait, huh? Huh? Just inhalation. Really? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So actually, um, actually it's interesting. I think, um, yeah, my next herb too is also migraine one too. So yeah, inhalation of lavender can really help with um, headaches. And that's right. I feel like if you travel, lavender is just like a good essential oil to take with you because it can help you feel calm and stuff like that. But then it can also help with these other issues. So the other interesting application of lavender is it can be very effective against cold sores. But there's a caveat. It only works if you apply it during what's called the prodrome phase. So the prodrome phase is like the tingling. If anyone has a, probably no one wants to say, I get cold sores because they're disgusting. But if you notice the um, tingling sensation of the cold sore, you know it's, yeah. So if you put a drop of that, it doesn't come. But you have to do it during the prodrome. You can just apply it. You can, you can like just apply it neat to the cold sore. 
um, where the cold sore might happen because it's not going to happen if you do it um, soon enough. Uh, you could actually mix, if you wanted to, you could mix it into like a carrier oil, something like like jojoba oil or um, almond, oil, almond oil, but that can be very effective. It can also be effective. So you can actually take, okay, I'm going to say this, but you've got to be really careful. You can actually take uh, lavender internally. If you do it, you just want to do one or two drops and it has to be um, really lavender. So that's one, I, I actually have a whole presentation all about um, essential oils and like what's good and what's bad and what to look for. So um, you have to make sure that it is 100%. If, you're, if you are gonna take lavender internally, you wanna make sure that one, it's 100% um, it's certified that it is um, lavender oil and it's not mixed with something else because that could be a disaster. But one of the uh, amazing things, again, how I was saying it has such like strong antimicrobial properties. Similarly, if you're somebody who's very in tune with your body and you kind of like, I don't know, when I get sick, I, it always first starts, I always get more like muscle weakness or muscle pain. That's like where I get it. Um, everyone has like their like little, I feel like everyone has like their first sign that they're coming down with something. If you take one or two drops of lavender oil, at the first, it has to be like, again, it has to be like the first sign. It often, you won't get, like often it will just like kick it in. They also do sell um, encapsulated lavender oil, which can be used for a couple of different things. It can be really helpful for um, irritable bowel syndrome. It can be very helpful for stress and anxiety and sleep. So it can definitely be taken internally, but you have to, again, um, uh, some brands that um, I know are definitely safe are Aura Casea, which is um, uh, found, I think, at Whole Foods, and you can buy that online, uh, Simplers. Uh, but then again, like you want to make sure that if you are going to do it, you want to make sure that you're using 100% um, pure lavender essential oil, or, or you can always get an encapsulated product that you know is going to be safe. So ginger is another one of these herbs that most of us probably have encountered and we might have at home. Uh, and ginger has a lot of great properties. It's very anti-inflammatory. It's a very strong antioxidant. It's very good. It's probably something we all know about for things, any like GI upset, whether it's nausea, um, vomiting, diarrhea. Um, it's really like a very, has a lot of like very warming properties. Uh, the other thing that's also good for is actually headaches and migraines. In fact, actually, um, even research has supported the use of ginger when it comes to specifically migraine headaches. Uh, so typical dosage, depending if you're doing, so you can use fresh ginger. You can also, if you have like the, the culinary dried ginger. So typically I would say about um, one to two tablespoons daily in a divided dose, whether you make it into uh, a tea or if you're doing the, the powdered ginger, that would be anywhere from like uh, half a teaspoon to a teaspoon daily. Something that something kind of easy to do would be taking um, some honey and you can mix the powdered ginger in the honey. And, you know, because ginger is pretty strong. Um, and I also feel that ginger is like the, one of the one of our best uh, PMS remedies. Again, because if we think about like all the things that are not great about the, the bloating, cramps. Also, even though yes, um, 
ginger, um, so ginger helps to um, inhibit platelet aggregation. So it does promote bleeding, but what's interesting is it actually can facilitate less painful periods because it does that. So if anyone has experienced like, um, you know, at least I hear my patients like complain about like having like a lot of like clots um, when, when they bleed. And so ginger really helps to like um, prevent a lot of like the pelvic stagnation. So that's another reason why it's actually gonna help with pain. And even though, yes, it does have blood thinning properties, it does tend to actually um, lighten periods. And it's actually one of the, this um, and um, cinnamon can be very, very helpful when it comes to very heavy periods. I mean, it's not everything, but it, it, again, like in a, when you really have nothing, you have nothing um, to try. Uh, I think it's, it's definitely worth trying. Oh, is it too much? Again, it's one of the things, I guess it depends how much you're using. Somebody was telling me, I know I said some hearty, people always like to stump the naturopath and they were saying something about like, I don't know if there was some study that came out, something about like some danger around ginger, but I, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't think there was anything to it. I think he was just trying to. <laughs> And then it juiced. You could definitely juiced. Um, yeah, I love doing like oh, the best. So it's interesting. So uh, turmeric and ginger are actually in the same family. So if, if anyone's ever seen fresh turmeric, you're like, oh, it kind of looks like ginger. So they're the same. So that's a really powerhouse if you can get um, fresh turmeric and ginger and juice that. Yeah, whenever, um, it's like that. My kids love it. They call it the spicy juice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then if you throw- You mix it with like apples or fruits. So, yeah. and ginger or, uh, Both, so we do ginger and turmeric. They love so it. I even make yeah. it with the ice pops. Oh, that sounds so great. And they eat it in the summer. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a, just a good thing, definitely <laughs> to have. Okay, so then the last, I think it's my last, yeah, it's my last herb. Uh, so garlic has, again, this is one of our super antimicrobial, again, against viruses and bacteria and uh, parasites and fungus. And then it also very strong, like anti, I mean, so I'd say like garlic has a couple of different functions. One, just like for general health. when we think of when um, there's so many great studies supporting garlic with like diabetes, high lipids, um, aka high cholesterol, high blood pressure. So this is just like general health. But then the, the bigger application, I would say, is just like for when um, if we're thinking more from like the topic of today's presentation is really accessing its um, antibacterial properties and its antimicrobial. Plus also it's a very great immune stimulant. So definitely something to add on. Like if you are coming down with a cold or flu, really loading up on garlic, maybe, you know, doing about one to two cloves a day. And the interesting thing, so again, how I said before, earlier in the presentation that garlic is related to uh, <laughs> onions, thank you, and that they um, operate a lot because of their sulfur compounds. Uh, so if you're also someone who, you know, finds garlic is too strong, you can also cook it. And that's not, so cooking the garlic does not diminish any of its healing properties oh, just to let you know yeah so you can so yeah cool. and actually because if you roast it 
it does it does kind of kill the pungentness to it and almost can make it a little bit sweet or if you've ever had the black garlic i don't even know i haven't seen that in a while it's so good um you can also so garlic kind of also like onion so not only can you use it internally but it also does have topical applications the only problem is it smell like garlic uh so if we're thinking about another for example another um ear infection remedy is you can make um you can make a like a garlic with a, a garlic oil by just taking olive oil and mashing the garlic and you can apply um, drops to the ear you can apply to like a fungal infection and then the last one that we often so it can be used for vaginal infections and one of the most famous applications so um group b strep which i forget how much of the population has it but it's a, a bacteria that um, if you are pregnant and you are about to give birth if you have group b strep present they are going to give you antibiotics and of course like there's definitely um yeah of course depends where. <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> i forgot where i'm at. yeah yeah but um so doing what we call like a garlic tampon can be often very effective in eliminating group b strep and basically what that works is you um cut the the clove and you want to put like um, a piece of like dental floss or some people um i don't I've never done it that way, but I was just reading someone saying about like, you know, putting it in a, a cheesecloth, but I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's just too much to, to put up there. I'd rather just put the, the garlic clove, but that can be also a very effective way. Um, although I find like that um, you have to also, there's some specific strains of probiotic that also, I would also recommend at the same time to build up the- yeah, yeah. So usually we'll have the patient put it in at night and then remove it in the morning. And we'll usually have them repeat until they're going to get retested. And, yeah. And then just re, like boost your probiotic intake because it also it, it can wipe out yes, yeah. all the other good bacteria as well. Right. So, so exactly. So usually what I'll have the woman do is she'll insert the garlic clove at night. And then there's um one type that I will have her take orally and then one type of uh, one, sorry, one probiotic I'll have her take orally, and then one uh, probiotic that she'll take vaginally. Yeah. Okay, so that was the presentation. And um, if you have any, I don't know if we have time for questions or also again, like if you want the whole, like all the how-tos, all the remedies, you can um, either, you can just send me an email and I'll make sure that you get everything you need. Uh, can someone take a picture and send it to the group? Yeah. Or also, I have cards here if that's oh, easier well, to. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized. Do you have a practice um, in the back? So, um, a couple of things. So, I used to have an office in the West Village and I closed it during the pandemic, but I now see patients from home, but not in my home, but I'm at home while I'm seeing them. <laughs> or though sometimes in Miami. Oh, it's amazing. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other yeah. questions? I think yeah. we have a question. Yeah. Like Should you check for type B strep? So a oh, group B strep. So typically, most of right, right, sure. That, so like, 
what does that mean? Is that like strap strap or like how do you? How it do you is strap. It is a, it's a, it is a type of strap. So basically, in adults, it doesn't really it doesn't really cause any issue. It really only causes potential. Even though I feel like I don't know. To be honest, I feel like it's such a debate. Whatever. Yes, I was gonna say because like, there's two sides of this point. I just want to say that there are some providers that can give an option to not check if you'd rather not check. Some providers, even if you do check and you come out positive, can give you the option whether you want it or you don't want it. Like right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just increased. It's again, like if you didn't treat it and you gave birth, it's not a death sentence to your baby. No. Um, yeah, there is always a potential, but then one could argue is not having any of your healthy flora on your baby. Uh, I, I heard this one microbiologist speak a few years ago, and he was talking about that if his son had, a, if his wife had to have a C-section, he would have like, like bathed his baby in like vaginal secretions or something just to get all her good flora that he was like missing. Yep. Okay, so let's rewind. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Let me, let, me, let me explain a little bit. And I think for anyone who's been here to for previous talks, we've had different midwives and different people speak. As a baby is coming out vaginally, so the good bacteria that is inside of us in our vagina is, is coming on the baby. And that gives the baby the immune system and it builds up all of the vitamin good, K. Vitamin K, all of their good. It's very, it's basically very, very beneficial for baby to go through that well, process. That, that, Hmm? One second. Oh, hold hold one, second. Birth. one second. One second. So, so in there, there are there are lots of different types of bacteria. Most of them are good bacteria. Sometimes there's extra that overgrew called strep B, and it there can be a danger to the baby if the baby contracts it through that process and then gets sick. That said the way I was taught and the way we looked at it was statistically right. it may, the benefits of going through and still having that good bacteria as opposed to the, the cons of taking antibiotics, wiping out all of that good bacteria and then the baby doesn't get any of it because it killed everything. Because you can't, you can't choose to kill certain ones and keep the other ones. Yeah, you that's the wipe big everything problem. out or you have everything else. So some people choose not to if their provider lets so that's a different story. Um, and then you can have the positives of the good. And then you can also monitor your baby and you can do all these things such as like the garlic, or you can boost your probiotic intake in other ways that you have healthy, uh, a majority of healthy bacteria, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just to explain it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is there anything for post-nasal drip? Oh, post-nasal drip? Like, the point that you is, is it, yeah so i'd say so there's a couple of things with that is it um this is where like i have like <laughs> so one of the hard things with the naturopathic brain is i'm like where is the post-nasal drip coming from and like so i need to know, like because because i'm um, personal drip is it is it like allergy in origin is it uh a cold or flu bacterial in origin is it um uh acid reflux. So kind of like a lot of these are things that um, I might be thinking about. Can I also mention sure. the beauty in your work is that it's generally, it's not about just treating the symptom. 
And I feel like a lot of the times it's like, okay, I have a headache, let's take a Tylenol, I'm just gonna treat the symptom. But in naturopathic work, the, the mindset is let's find the source, right? let's find it at the source, fix that source, and then all the symptoms will go away. So it's like a whole different mindset. And I think that's why she's saying that like, it kind of depends on where it's coming from. I mean, I'm sure you yeah, can come yeah, up yeah. with solutions right. for like, okay, do this, take that. But like, if you're not treating the source, so then it's going to keep coming up. Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the solution for sickness? <laughs> <laughs> do you know if you have allergies? I think I took allergies. Or do you know what your allergies are? Well, I'd say like if I was going to say anything, so if I, if I knew for a fact that it was allergy in origin, um, probably my go-tos would be NAC and acetylcysteine, which is actually just one of my favorite nutrients. It has a lot of different applications. So that would be one in particular, because I was thinking, because like that would help with the allergy aspect, but it also is very effective when it comes to one thinning of mucus. And it's also very helpful for um, any kind of like sinus congestion or sinusitis that combined with quercetin. And I'd say vitamin C would be, and then the other thing I would also just like consider too, like if you were my patient would be when we think about like your environment. So like, what is your environment like? So um, often we don't realize how often we actually do need to change like our bed linens or in even our pillows. Like there's some like, I forget, like some kind of crazy statistic that like after a year that your, your pillow is like more than half dust, like the weight of your pillow is mostly dust mites. Oh, so gosh. just like some yeah, things I to think so of. What yeah. Doing? Right. Or then if like some of us live in like basement apartments, we definitely want to consider things like, like mold, especially <laughs> we have like a mold sensitivity. So these are also other things. Definitely. I always, there's a lot of little factors that come into it. <laughs> no. Well, you, you did see the accumulation. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody else have questions? so we can book we can contact you through these yes yes you can also take a card too easy yay thank you so thank you it's fine thank you so much i'm glad this worked out okay um oh one second can i just can I add these in? So it's reverting. Okay. Um, okay. Did you speak about oregano oil? Oh. What about aloe vera? Aloe vera? Actually, aloe vera has a lot of good applications, both aloe juice and um yeah definitely for wounds sunburns aloe juice is probably one of my favorite acid reflux recommendations whether you take um the you take it like cut it with some water but usually i typically will recommend four ounces two to three times a day and that can really really help um 
people who are allergic to summer flowers, pollen and things like that, possible allergic to chamomile as well. Oh, it's a flower. Yeah, most likely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely possible. Um,